Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. In our study through the Apostle Paul's Epistle to the Galatians, we are in chapter 1 where he introduces his concern that prompted him to send them this letter. In Galatians 1, verse 6, we read, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul is writing to believers, Christians who came to the faith through his proclamation of the gospel. But this is not a pleasant letter for him to write because it's, it is something triggered by the fact that the spiritual well-being of these people that he had brought the life-giving message of the gospel has been threatened. It has been threatened by the corruption of this message by some troublemakers who came into their midst and are somehow succeeded in confusing them. They introduced a distortion to the gospel of Christ. A message distorted is not the same thing as it originally was. The saving, life-giving good news of Jesus Christ no longer is a good news if it has been distorted in any way. It is, it is just like a finely machined piece of an instrument. If it has been bent or twisted in some way, it does not fit anymore. And the whole machine will no longer work. It is like a medicine about which you are warned, uh, do not take this with other things, say antacids or something. It will not be effective if done so. So even the adding of things to things which are effective, efficient, might render them ineffective. And this seems to be what happened with the distortion of the gospel in the regions of Galatia. That people had gone after the apostle to that region and in addition to the message of Jesus Christ that Jesus is the Messiah, God's anointed one, the one whom God planned and pre-announced and sent into the world for our salvation and that he died and rose again and he died to save us from our sins. In addition to all of this they added an element of human contribution to the work of salvation. This becomes clear as we read further into the epistle. It seems like the error in the churches of Galatia was where they advocated, some advocated, that it's not only enough to believe in Jesus, but you must also practice the external requirements of the law of Moses. So, the Apostle Paul views this as a complete 
nullifying of the gospel. And he expresses shock at the fact that the Christians who had received the message from him and heard it from him, it was clearly presented to them, have made themselves open and receptive to this distortion. There are many things in life which are this way. Sometimes the simplicity of the gospel seems too simple to us. And we would like to improve things by adding our own additional things, adding religious forms to it, religious requirements to it. But ultimately, salvation is the gift of God. The message to which we respond, which brings us into a relationship with God, and forgives our sins is something that God himself has given to us. It is not of our own creation and design. Paul expresses astonishment. The astonishment is that they have deserted Christ. They have moved away from him so quickly. This expression that I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him might provide a small argument in regard to questions about which Galatia Paul is writing to. By one reckoning of all of the data evidence in the epistle to the Galatians, the letter was written rather early. In fact, before the second missionary journey, before the council in Jerusalem actually happened. And this so quickly then would make a lot of sense that Paul had proclaimed to them, it's a period of about three years from the beginning of the journey where he went to southeastern Turkey to present the gospel where it had never been heard before. And in that relatively, and, and the time of what we would find uh, in Acts chapter 15 as what is called the Jerusalem Council. Within that relatively short period of time, it would seem, however, over a period that extends now to about three years, that the work of Paul and Barnabas was followed by visits by a group of Christ-believing Jews who had somehow added and changed and therefore distorted and nullified the message that had been delivered to these believers. So I'm astonished, he says, that so quickly you are deserting him who called you. Whenever we add something to the pure message of the gospel, and we might as well ask the question, what is the pure message of the gospel? The pure message of the gospel is this, that Christ did everything necessary to bring us into a right relationship with God. And we are brought into a right relationship with God through trusting in Him. So whenever something else is added to it, Paul here tells us that the message is nullified. So whenever I say, or if I should say, you are saved by believing in Christ and also visiting holy places in the world, I have changed the message. Why I have brought something that is worthless, that is not contributing to reconcile me with God, 
to the perfect and infinite work of the Son of God Himself. Very often, what Christians, so-called, would add to the gospel are the contribution of our own efforts, the contribution of rituals, the contributions of adhering to certain patterns of conduct. This is an important issue, and it is necessary for us to understand this correctly. You only have to read the Bible to find out that God wants us to live righteously. We know the Ten Commandments, for instance. We should only honor as God the one who is God, the living true, true God, the God of the Bible who revealed himself in the, to Abraham the patriarch and in the person of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We should have no other gods before him, and this is true. We should not take the Lord's name in vain. We should treat God with reverence, and this is true. Coming down further in the law, we should not steal. We should not give false testimonies. We shouldn't covet what belongs to another. We should not commit adultery. All of these are in the law that God gave to his people Israel, and most of these find, find themselves reiterated in the New Testament. So God is a God of righteousness. He approves righteousness. He wants us to manifest purity and goodness. It is one thing to recognize that God approves of righteousness. If God does not approve of righteousness, we did not need forgiveness. If God does not approve of only righteousness, uh, we did not need Jesus Christ as our Savior. We need a savior because we are sinners, and being sinners and doing sin is bad. But the definition of the gospel focuses on something else. It is really what contributes to my being accepted by God. And the simple message of the gospel is this. No amount of effort on my part will make myself good enough for God. This is why the infinite one, the Son of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, came to this world, took our role and place by becoming a man and living and going through the experience of this life in true and authentic and genuine humanity. And he lived in such a way that he was perfectly and completely obedient to the will of God and then offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. That work cannot be supplemented with anything else. When I come to know God, I automatically sense the need to live in a way that is pleasing to Him. But I am saved by what Christ did on my behalf. My living righteously as well as I can by the help of God is merely my response to the demands of God. They do not qualify me or contribute to the already done work of God through Christ to make me eligible or more eligible for salvation. It seems that the problem in Galatia was not even this kind of good deeds. The problem in Galatia 
was that they were insisting on external rituals, particularly something that was central to Judaism and all the way from Abraham, of the ritual of circumcision and dietary laws as being necessary for salvation. And in our world today, the gospel is often distorted by introducing into salvation the contribution of Christian religious works or sacraments of various kinds. But Paul is astonished by this substitution of the gospel. He considers, he, he considers any alteration to the message as he preached as a desertion of God. That it is turning away from the grace of Christ to something that is different. They have, they have turned to a different gospel. And then he says in verse 7, However, there is no different gospel. You have turned from the gospel or the good news of God to something that takes on the shape of a good news of God, but it is not an authentic gospel at all. What it is is a distortion that is no longer life-giving, that no longer qualifies as the message of God for salvation. So we might ask, especially in today's pluralistic world, what is the true message of salvation? How many ways are there to God? There are many who would like to bring this notion that there is one true God, but there are many paths to Him. The Bible would emphatically deny this. God is one, and the path to Him is also one. It is the path that He has laid out, and the path is Jesus Christ Himself. We come to the knowledge of the living and true God through the gospel. We come into a relationship with the living and true God through the Son of God, who is our Savior, through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.